Cancer season, season of Yamaya, our bottomless dark, deep wet healer, warrior of our waters and conductor of our tides. The moon shines on you. You are floating on her waters. She is pleasure immersive and she soaks you to heal and rocks you to sleep. She is the constellation of the armored warrior of water and sand. She protects softness. She is shell thing that scamper away and hide and protect. Protecting the pearl of sacred sensuality, a mango seed, an intuitive lover, the heavy and healing waters of your motherlands and eternal shades of the moon. That poem was Cancer Season by Janara Petras Nasa from her book, The Stars and the Blackness Between Them. Hello and welcome to Embodied Astrology. My name is Renee Sills. I'm a consulting astrologer, astrology teacher, and somatic educator. I'm interested in exploring the ways we can use astrology as a technology to deepen our understandings of art, process, politics, each other, and the world we live in. Join me for conversations with guests that center life and living through the lens of astrology. I'm recording this introduction on June 28, 2022, and it's a new moon in Cancer that is conjunct Black Moon Lilith, square to Jupiter in Aries, and trine to Vesta in Pisces. This new moon upholds the power of the feminine to transform, survive, thrive, and birth new worlds. It asks us to reckon with the power of ferocity and devotion. My guests for this episode are Janata Petras Nasa and Katie Henderson. We recorded this episode on the solstice, June 21st, 2022. Janata is a writer, soul sweetener, runaway witch, and performance artist of Black Caribbean descent. She is the author of the Coretta Scott King Honor Award-winning YA novel, The Stars and the Blackness Between Them. Janata is also a Cancer Sun and will be leading a guest workshop with Embodied Astrology, the Cosmic Juiciness Within, A Cancerian Writing Journey, the day after her birthday on July 10th. A recording of the workshop will be available through August 10th if you want to attend but can't make the live event. Katie Henderson has a cancer moon and is an astrologer, sex and erotic embodiment educator, and doula. Katie is also the Synthesis Space Research Resident Fellow here at Embodied Astrology throughout 2022. In their work, Katie blends astrology with her creative practice to create workshops and experiences that explore the emotional complexities of being human. Beginning on July 5th, Katie is hosting a weekly process space with Embodied Astrology that gives you space for exploring the ways astrology is feeling and moving through the intensity of our times. I offer free monthly readings for all 12 signs and regular workshops that explore the embodied energetics of the zodiac. I'm also the space tender of the Embodied Astrology virtual community, a learning space for those who are interested in exploring astrology through the experiential, personal, relational, and political realms. Learn more about the space in our upcoming events and workshops, and find your horoscopes at embodiedastrology.com. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to cancer season. It's the solstice. How are you both feeling? Hey, I love cancer season. 
I love cancer season. I don't know if it's because I'm a cancer. Could be. It could be. But I do feel like it's when summer feels like it just hangs in the air. Like I just feel like summer is just like just pausing for a second. Cause I feel like Gemini season, like everything, like, well, it started off with the astrology conference and I was like, oh my God, meeting all these people. And then I was in Portland meeting people. And then I was like back home and like everything was Pride-teenth. Everything was Pride and Juneteenth. And mm -hmm. like, it just was a lot going on. And then my play opened up, um, the puppet show I've been working on. So yeah, it just, and I feel like Gemini season always kind of gets going like that in Minneapolis because, you know, really we're so cold for so long um but cancer season is like really where I feel like things kind of slow down and get a little bit more languid and I'm into it mm. yeah both of y'all are in places that I feel like summer is just starting mm. Houston, and we have been in summer since I want to say like April mm -hmm. mm. So like today, like the last couple of days have, we've gotten into the hundreds and, you know, I'm a native Houstonian. So like, yes, I'm a native Houstonian, but you know, I spent some time away. So I thought, you know, we get into like 107, 108 in like July. Yo, <laughs> um, this 28 year old blood don't hit the way that 14 year old blood hit because yeah, like. I'll go on a walk. Like I've been reading me, like I'll go on a walk and I have to immediately come home and take a shower. I think I might have a yeast infection. I might have BV or my vagina. It's just not used <laughs> to feet. Like I have no idea what's going on down there. No, not a clue, not a clue. Um, so it's actually cool to hear. I'm like, oh wow, like y'all are, I, that's really dope. Like, oh, can't mm -hmm. just, like summer. Cause I'm like, no, that's not what I'm going through over here. Um, this cancer season, though, does feel special because I started making the playlist for the cancer horoscopes, which is, this is like the time is really good. We're coming up on solstice. I'll release it next week. And there's a certain type of like Jupiter and Aries that I don't usually go for musically, like for those who are listening. But also, I think, I think Renee knows this. Janata, you may know this too. I usually am most like a slow boogier. I'm down to throw ass, but my playlist usually don't do up. I don't usually do up tempos. It's just not what I gravitate towards usually. But this this season's playlist has quite a few up tempos and quite a few like cultural anthems, if you will, that are like really like say it with your chest kind of energy. <laughs> so I'm really I'm really I'm excited to see how it feels I'm excited to see how it resonates for people um so yeah we'll see I yeah like I said I don't usually make stuff like that so I'm curious mm -hmm. <laughs> goes. yeah when I was listening to you I was thinking right like cancer season in the northern hemisphere is summer but it's also moist summer it's like moist heat <laughs> and here in the Pacific Northwest, literally yesterday is the first day of like full day of sunshine. We seem mm -hmm. to really, you know, now have a stretch of summer days. It looks like ahead, but it's still really moist here. It's been raining so much. And so there's a lot of humidity and there's a lot of life. Like there's a lot of little bugs and plants and mildewy kinds of, of vibes. And, and yesterday when, um, 
Yeah, it was like the moon went into Aries and cancer season started with that closing uh, fourth quarter square moon in Aries. And Katie, like that Aries vibe felt so strong for me. I was like, oh my God, relationships and like the need to take personal space and this kind of feeling of, I don't know, like epic anthem <laughs> moments. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, you know, Queen B decided to bless us with break my soul on the heels of Drake releasing what is considered, I think, to be a house album. Full disclosure, obviously I've heard Queen B song. No, I have not listened to the Drake album, but I did go to the club this weekend and I did hear a couple of Drake tracks. And so I'm just like, it's, it's in the air. Like people are ready to go outside. People are ready to throw some ass. People might be ready to set some shit on fire like people might be ready to quit a job of five you know like it's it it is it definitely is giving you know I'm like it's giving that Jupiter and Aries but I'm also like is this Pluto making that final that final like kickoff before it goes into Aquarius that is definitely what I've been thinking about because like it's giving, it's time for a revolution. Break my soul specifically. We're big freedom on the track. Mm. Like. Yeah. I mean, I think it's Pluto, but it's like also that Aries, you know, yeah. like all those Aries contacts over the course of this season, but into next year and that Pluto transition feels like birthing you know that crowning of the head that Aries is like pushing through into a new dimension uh, yeah 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 I'm so excited for Beyonce's album just to see how it compares to the other albums I went back today and I so usually during around new moons I always watch music videos new moons and full moons and so I went back and rewatched a lot of her old music videos and I was just like, wow, what a culmination. And then this album is going to be her seventh album. Seven is also often associated with completion. Yeah, which also I feel like feels like a transitional space, like an ending, but also a beginning. And so I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm well, also, curious. this is like Beyonce's album that she's putting out at 40 years old after mm. having been in the zeitgeist for like, since she's been like 14 you know like? just kind of like the collective like cultural sort of existence and media and you know what's being created you know yeah me and Beyonce were born in the same you know she turned 40 last year she's 41 this year yeah so I just feel like it's exciting to be like oh like there feels like there's a certain inherent queering of all of society too because house music is like inherently black queer music and that's not like a secret to nobody and disco. i feel like you said what disco too yeah and yeah definitely and i think it's fascinating to see just even where i don't know it just seems like all of the culture is queering itself like even i think i was talking to gabs about it about like my nephews who you know are presumably straight um, you know, all are wearing the dangly earrings, you know, or all like more people are experimenting 
with like, what does it mean to be a different and more expansive experience of themselves and including sexuality and sensuality. So I don't know, like, I think it's interesting. A, I don't know what Drake's situation is. He is a Scorpio and I don't know. I got my question marks about Drake. I got my question marks. <laughs> Ain't y'all all the same age? Who? You, Drake, Beyonce, like... Drake is definitely younger. I don't even, like, when Drake came out, I was like, I don't get what his thing... Like, people loved Drake. I remember in the mid-aughts when he came out, I was like, is this what rap is now? Because to me, it's not hitting my ear in a way that's, like, dingly dingly. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Like, I just was like, okay, he's singing. Is that a rap? And I didn't dislike it. I just wasn't like, oh, this is my shit. And, of course... Like I have been proven wrong and not even proven wrong. I've, I've proven to like, I've grown to love and appreciate Drake, but he's younger than me is what I'm trying to say. He's, so I don't I'm know what he on. I'm figuring it out. I don't know what he on either, but I just wanted to confirm that per Google, Drake is uh, 35. And so... Mm-hmm. Thinking about the fact that like Tori Morrison released Bluest Eye when she was 39 or 38? 39. You released your first book at 38. Mm-hmm. Beyonce is, I mean, has given our, has snatched our wigs more times than not. But as she gets closer to 40. She's 40 already. She's an 81 baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we see this evolution and I'm just like. Renaissance. Renaissance. Drake is 35, so he coming. This may not be the album that we really see the culminate. This may not be his bluest eye album, but he is coming to that time of self-reflection that we do see. And also just like maybe a certain type of distillation that I've seen artists really attest to as they get closer to 40. That just has come with the fact that y'all been doing this shit for just a long time. Mm-hmm. So I'm like... Y'all already know I'm not enrolled in the 20s. Y'all already <laughs> know. So let's get let's just be transparent about that. And the reason why is because of what I just described to you. All of y'all are giving snatching our wigs around the same time. Yeah, but I think I couldn't have snapped snatched wigs to use your language if I hadn't have like I've actually was have been thinking about my 20s and yeah, kind of where I was because I wasn't out in my 20s. I wasn't an artist. Like my 20 something year old self could have never conceived of me now. So like, there is a part of me that definitely is like, yeah, like I think all of who I am is because of all of who I've been, which I mean, Renee, would you say, cause I know you're not too far behind me. Like, do you feel like you're yeah. literally a different self and you're still a collection of the selves, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm about to start the last year of my thirties and so I don't know how you all do like when you get close to your birthday, if you start saying that you're already the next age, like I've already started to be like, yeah, I'm 39, even though I haven't had my birthday yet. But like, I'm already in this place where I'm feeling the reflection on the last decade. And I've changed so much. Like I've changed so much. And all that I have been is still here right now, but I'm not what I have been. And I am what I am because of what I have been, but really feeling that 
shift, I think, that becomes kind of remarkable at decades, but also at, you know, generic astrology transits, like I'm coming up on my Uranus opposition, Janata, I know you're there too. And it's like, I finished my second, or my, yeah, second Saturn square, Pluto square Pluto. It's like these big life transits where I'm really feeling time turn over and transform. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I was just looking at also Drake and Beyonce's uh, charts, which I pulled up on astro.com. They're part of their astro data bank. Right. Like don't, don't Beyonce's isn't completely right. (laughs) Well, they don't have Beyonce's birth time. So we don't know her ascendant and we don't know her houses, but we do have her birth date and Beyonce has a Libra stellium has uh, she has Mercury, Saturn, Jupiter, Venus, and Pluto all in Libra. And, um, and then she's North node in cancer and a moon Uranus Lilith conjunction and Scorpio. So I was just thinking about the timing, you know, of uh, this new album coming out and like her kind of role in the, collective consciousness and how, I mean, she really is such a leader and like fortifies a sentiment and brings it into the, you know, like you said, Janata, like into the zeitgeist and um, cancer season coming up has, you know, these ongoing squares between cancer and Aries and then the opposition of Pluto, but that missing cardinal point of Libra um, for me, it feels like a really big pull, you know, in thinking about the upcoming astrology. And I was just looking at her Libra stellium and thinking like, um, yeah, yet again, kind of how astrology illustrates timing and significance in a person's life. And yeah, what this moment is setting off and how she's, um, yeah, how she's represented in it and, mm. t- and taking space in it. Yeah, she definitely brings beauty and like a sense of like, yo, everybody belongs here. You know, mm-hmm. everybody gets to, you know, you know, enjoy themselves and be a part of the beauty. You know, that's definitely like where I see that Libra stellium playing in with her. Like, I feel like whenever things are like heavy or like, I remember Prince died, you know, April 21st and then like lemonade came out and it was like thank god there was lemonade because oh my god you know what I'm saying um so I definitely feel like even when I don't know she's about to do something I can almost anticipate her in these like Mm -hmm. moments of you know yeah roughness Yeah, and Drake has a, um, you know, if his birth data is correct on astro.com, he has a grand water trine in his chart. He's like mega Scorpio, Sun, Pluto, Venus, Mercury, and the IC in Scorpio, and then Jupiter and Pisces and the moon in Cancer. Um, right? <laughs> and I was listening because you mentioned his album. I um, was listening to it last night. And just listening to the lyrics, I was like, these are such watery lyrics. He's so emo. All his lyrics are so emo. <laughs> so emo. And that's my part of why I'm like, uh, I don't know if I can buy an emo rich ass nigga. I don't know. Okay, Janata. Really though, a lot of rich niggas got feelings. I know, I know. I think though, but okay, so this is where my and this is where that because you notice of the of the water trying where the main planet says it was in the Scorpio. Mm-hmm. 
And I do feel like there's this way that like, because my dad's a Scorpio, so I also need to like give that sort of um, qualifier, you know, disqualifier, whatever they call it. Because like, I just feel like I studied Scorpio niggas and I know them. I know them. So good. So good. You know what I mean? I know how like brilliant and masterful they are with emotions. You know what I mean? How they really know how to pull people in emotionally, you know, but meanwhile, I feel like water energy, especially within the space of masculine and toxic, you know, masculine energy is super lethal. Mm. Let's talk about it because because I, I don't know I feel like I'm taking big leaps and but I don't know what people think I mean what I will argue is so on the Gemini season playlist I just want to oh, say yeah. it was a Drake verse and I think it's an amazing Drake verse it's giving nostalgia it's giving maybe I missed out on my hometown love very similar to the normal Marvin's room somebody broke my heart okay. now you bring up this other part around like lethalness and violence. And so this, for this, for the new moon in cancer, I did horoscope. I don't mean lethal as in violence. I mean, lethal as in very sort of like laser-like and focused. Sure. And I think, yeah. the, I mean, I think that that can be violent and I think violence can look a lot of different ways, but I think it's important to like, I really just want to like press on that because I was doing the, um, like I said, the horoscopes, and this time I wanted to do sister signs. So I put the Cancer New Moon horoscope next to the Capricorn horoscope. And there was a part of me that was like, what are the multiple ways that we protest? What happens when, what kind of care do we need when we witness violence? But then there was this other part of me that was thinking about like, which violence, which types of violence are we comfortable with? And when, like thinking about, um, <laughs> so like the songs that I know that incite violence are some of my favorite songs. You be at the club, you be talking your shit, you feel emboldened, you feel passionate, you feel like you can move something. Depending on what I'm moving, it could be violent. And so I just, I've been thinking a lot about, um, you know, assault and violence and when it's done from a protective place and then who is protected and why. Mm-hmm. Um, I released an episode today that was about, specifically about postpartum preeclampsia in hospitals. And I don't know if y'all have seen, but like the birth world, mm-hmm. some hospital accidentally put a letter in the info packet for people that give birth that basically summed up you don't have a right to have a birth plan because we know what's best. And then they came back and was like, oh, but that letter was on accident. And a lot of birth workers were like, this is the violence that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so just, yeah, I just, and I, I wonder if Renee, you felt this way, but also Janana too, if you feel this way. Like, I think one of the most beautiful things about cancer and energy is how deeply you feel. And I think oftentimes people associate that with a certain type of sadness or bewilderment. But with this situation that's happening in Aries, I'm like, or bitch, I can cry a river that can flood a system. Mm. Like, mm. I, and I and I I felt so it felt so cool to think about Cancerian energy that was like because I am a Cancer Moon and I feel like there's always this stigma around like sensitivity, but like that sensitivity can move mountains. It can fuck a club up. It can tear some shit up. Or in Drake's 
in Drake's case, you know, it can lure you in to buy an album and commiserate on some maybe bullshit. And that's, you know, if it's bullshit for you, that's fine. You know, well, I, mean? I, I will say like for, for Drake, I do think he opened a door to give emotionality to yeah. that music form. And I do think it's his wateriness. You know, I definitely feel like there's a way that people felt comfortable singing and, you know, rappers were singing more after him. And, you know, I feel like that's, I do need to give Drake his roses and that angers me and frustrates me. I just said that, but that's the truth. Janata, if you do not give Drake his roses, I really don't think he's going to be heard about it. That nigga got mad roses. If he don't get enough from you, I think he'll be okay. He gets his roses from me too. You know, I give roses to everybody though. So maybe that shouldn't be a thing he should feel special about. There you go. He going to be all right. He going to be all right. But yeah, I think that the lethalness and the laziness, I think there's something really, I think there's something there. It's sexy. I think people think that's sexy too. It's also, you know, I think the water signs speak to our interiority and all of them are in like, all of them are descriptions in a lot of ways of the inner experience and the kind of relational fluidity that we're swimming in. And like, that's the stuff that makes music. That's the stuff that makes art. That's the stuff that make wars. <laughs> you know, that's the stuff I think that like you know, tendency or not tendency, but possibility towards violence that can come from a watery place. I mean, we, you were talking about the Pluto return of the United States earlier and like the United States is a cancer, you know, like born on the 4th of July, right? Like this kind of deep uh, emotional ownership and senses uh, like fragility, sensitivity can be very militant, you know? Mm. And I think that that cancer Capricorn polarity axis uh, can enact like that often, you know, and especially when there's not self-awareness or willingness to kind of look at the, um, the truth of subjectivity. It's like, oh, these are your feelings, you know, and like yeah. your feelings are facts for this moment, but they're not facts as in truth. They're not like objective um, reality for, for everybody, but mm -hmm. there is, I think with the water element, you know, we are immersed and we're swimming and we're feeling and uh, water, you know, when water is contained, it's contained through some kind of um, container and form. Mm -hmm. And the way that we build container and form around our feelings has a lot to do with trauma and yeah. examples you know like what what we've been taught and given as um societal and familial examples like that's the cancer capricorn story in a lot of ways and then how we protect and defend and justify like that aries libra axis so i mean i think sensitivity can definitely be like a soft cuddly sad kind of thing but it can also be lethal for sure yeah 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 that's what i feel like i know about my i was raised in a house that had wateriness but west indian masculine wateriness and there's a way that that had such a drowning like my mom would describe my dad as like a wet blanket it's like your dad's mm. coming to be like a wet blanket you know 
So just thinking about the ways that like astrology. Suffocating. That fucking Houston humidity ash that you just walking through swamp. Suffocating, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, how do both of you feel? your cancer placements because Janata your cancer sun Katie your cancer moon on Mars and cancer like how do y'all experience um, your watery bodies you know it's really funny because I hadn't th- I think this is just a thought now you know I do pretty much move from my feelings like usually my impulses to do things are based in feeling now usually my Capricorn contingency kicks up and it's like okay so like what we're gonna do like how we're gonna like strategize around it but it's I'm like wow I think I am somebody that moves from a place of being compelled Mm. and so yeah I'm I'm I can be really compelled to do things and that it goes both ways like yes I can be compelled from an external force to do things but then there's this also like like when you read a book like the blackness and the stars between like hell yeah bitch I'm about to settle the fuck out this book I am very fucking compelled <laughs> I'm in a world um there's this and I I think that's why music and music but also lyricism and artistry I think is why I can I can pull from it so quickly because I think it just has always compelled me. And I think it is always kind of like maybe giving me a container or a lens from which I can move through. That wasn't like I couldn't come up with that by myself. Um, so, yeah, I feel like. Yeah. I, I, do, do you feel like the com- compulsion is emotional, like that cancerian kind of like the feeling is what's moving you? Yeah, I mean, you know. Renee, I don't know if you knew this, but I know Renee does. I grew up in church. So, you know, from a very young age, you know, I knew what it was like to to witness somebody sing and you just feel like overwhelmed with sensation. Um, and even when you wasn't in church, you know, your mama had you fucking cleaning up on fucking Saturday or fucking Sunday night because she was in the fucking mood. And, you know, she got gospel playing. And I remember like certain songs, they was my bops. And honey, I must have got to snapping my fingers. And mom said, ah, baby, you snap to R&B. You do not snap to gospel. You're going to hell. <laughs> like, so it was, it was, it was everywhere. And then, you know, obviously I'm going to bring Whitney Houston up because I know Janata loves Whitney Houston. I love Whitney Houston. But yeah, you have voices like that. I remember there are just so many early memories where I can feel like I witnessed somebody moving in spirit. I just didn't, I wouldn't have called it that at the time. And I think to be a, a person of faith is to be compelled by a feeling that there's mm-hmm. something higher, there's something greater. Um, and, you know, for me, that was very synonymous to being right and being of value. Mm-hmm. And so it made sense to be compelled by that because otherwise it would have, you know, prevented me from making like community and also just like potentially receiving love. So yeah yeah my son's in cancer so I think like the sign I identify the most with or because I've just you know I think like until you get older and know more about your astrology you kind of just know your sun sign so I feel like cancerian energy has been one that I've often 
you know, been like, okay, we're moody, we're supposed to be maternal, we're supposed to be, um, whatchamacallit, I don't know, like there's like all of the, you know, sort of uh, stereotypes you learn about your signs. Um, and as I've gotten older, you know, because I also did kind of resist this idea of being maternal because I come from a big family. I always had to kind of actually be maternal to my siblings. And I felt like within me, there was like this wild kind of wanting to be autonomous person. Um, yeah, this part of me that wanted to be free. So I think as I've grown older, having a son in cancer, like, yes, I'm an extremely emotional person. I'm definitely empathic and sensitive and can be messy with feelings and boundaries and like all of the other aspects of watery energy. Um, but I've also identified with figures such as like, uh, like different warrior women. Like I feel like Cancerian energy is also like warrior, like femme energy. That's, um, yeah, to me, a thing that like I find also sexy. Like I think Cancerian energy could also be very sexy and sensuous and all of that. So I think also reflecting on particularly, and this is what I'll be um, doing a class with embodied astrology, like thinking about like black feminists, like, you know, Cancerians and sort of what are the like energetics that they bring through um, and that I'm, you know, sort of a part of that, you know, lineage as well. Um, but yeah, but definitely makes, oceanic, all of that. I'm sorry, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that makes so much sense. Like I was looking at your chart and remembering that you have the sun conjunct palace in cancer and, you know, palace is this warrior goddess, strategist, pattern maker, mm. and your placements are in the kind of around the 10th, 11th house cusps and mm. that identification with warrior women feels really resonant. Um, with that and your moon, your uh, first quarter square baby. So your sun and palace are squared at a Libra moon. And mm -hmm. yeah, what you were just saying really felt so resonant with your chart of that emotional, sensitive, empathic, compassionate, familial warrior. Mm -hmm. And I love that you brought up this kind of feminist because as somebody that I think I took a like, I think I am quite femme, but I think because I have a Capricorn stellium, I'd be like, don't reduce me to some weak shit. Mm. Um, but, you know, recently I've been like just really flirting with femininity and just listening to you. I'm right, like, right. Like, Black films, it's another level of protectiveness. Mm -hmm. Like, the one of the songs that I put on the playlist is that C. I don't know if you know this song, but it's the C murder song. Uh, fuck the mother niggas, I ride for my niggas, I die for my niggas. Fuck the mother, yo, it's one of my favorite songs. <laughs> one of my favorite songs. Mm -hmm. But when I think about my mom, but also just like black women, especially black older women, it is this like, I will fuck your shit up especially mm -hmm. behind my people like but especially behind my kids mm -hmm. like I thinking about lethalness and violence I have seen a uh, many of people get cussed smooth out in the middle of the street keep in mind y'all from Houston so I feel like people be really ready to be their best selves but yeah like 
the cussings I've heard black femme women do, some of the best killer combos I've ever heard. Just stupendous. Just <laughs> like I don't even know how y'all put those profanities together. But I think it speaks to that what you were saying, this like this femme warrior, this femme protector, this very clear, like inherent strength that comes from having hips and thighs and butts and full lips and a neck that can roll and a bitch that bites Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it just yeah I'm glad you brought that up because that is such a big part of my upbringing Mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah I and I definitely feel like as a kid I was always like oh you're sensitive oh you're so sensitive like that was another thing I feel like as a kid I was like why is everybody so hard you know, like, I think that was, but now that I grow older and I was like, oh, everybody's so sensitive. Yeah. I just couldn't like hide it, you know? And I do think, um, it's funny cause I am really like soft, like I am soft, but I'm also the friend that's the most like reactionary and like, I am fucking shit up if something like, I always think of Solange, Solange in the elevator. Yeah. I think that's like peak Cancerian, like oh, like you wouldn't think that of this person. They just seem like they're the hippie dancing in South Africa, you know, Beyonce's, you know, sister also. But you're like, oh, like this person reacts this way. Like, cause I do feel like, I don't think, I don't know. It was like, well, what kind of reaction is that? Like you have to literally whoop somebody's ass, you know, for your sister who ain't going to be whooping no ass. You feel so compelled. Yeah. I have Mars in cancer in my natal chart and it's in the 12th house and every astrologer that's ever looked at my chart up until recently and like more queer kind of um, (laughs) younger astrologers, I think have maybe more space to think about detriment in different ways. But um, because I grew up with astrology, like I'd go to these older astrologers and they'd be like, well, you're fucked. You know, they'd look at that placement and be like, you, you know, basically like just need a lot of exercise so that you can deal with the um, intense amount of like anger and desire and assertion and like all of this martial energy that is in cancer in the 12th house. And, you know, you're not going to be able to let it out or access it. And in certain ways, I've felt that that's true. And like, you know, especially I think a Mars and cancer placement can have trouble sometimes with um, really explicit displays of anger. Like there can be a lot of tenderness and sensitivity and fear that can come up with aggression. But I've also, I don't know. I mean, the older that I get, I feel that placement as, um, you know, in, in kind of some of the ways that I've heard Alice Barkley Cat talk to debilitated placements also as superpowers in some ways, like as developing superpowers. Like I feel like Mars in Cancer um, is so uncomfortable with anger, but acutely aware of it, like so sensitive to it. And in the sensitivity can be hysterical and reactive and is, you know, has a hard time getting angry without crying. But there's also this need to find a way to care for others through anger, you know, like, like, like through the experience of anger and like, oh, you know, anger is a valid emotion. Like there are reasons why people get angry that 
need to be tended to, need to be held, like need to be witnessed and the ability to be sensitive through um, confrontation and through anger and not throw up a big wall, like not do the, the shell, major shell thing for me has felt like a lot of that journey. Yeah, and you both bring up sensitivity and I'm just like, I almost like want to bring a little bit more language to it because I know I got a lot of shit around being sensitive. Like I remember um, just this like, you know, my mom's oldest kid. I just always knew that like, you're fine. You're fine. Mm -hmm. And thinking about sensitivity as this space to like not be fine in this space to really feel lots of different things. Because I do think that when there's anger, at least for me, sometimes my feelings are hurt, but you know, my moon is in eighth house. So sometimes my feelings are hurt, but sometimes I hurt because I saw someone else be hurt. Yeah. And there's a certain type of like maybe longing for things to get better that has birthed a lot of my work. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I hope that people listen to this conversation, but I also hope with this cancer season, with the things that I offer, with the things that you offer, with the things that Janata offers, there's this space to really assess all the ways that sensitivity can look. Because I think like you were talking about with anger, there's always this tendency to like associate it with like explosiveness. Mm-hmm. But if you go to a break room and you break some shit, like that's mm-hmm. the part, like, like that's the point, like, right. That's the point. And, and not feeling that has its own detriments. Um, and I, I, I'm super aware of how many people lack the containers to hold that sensitivity. And so I hope that in this cancer season, folks are like, oh, maybe this is where this can go. Because I do feel like with the Pluto return, but also just these trends that are going through Aries, I'm like, you know, a lot of containers are also just falling away because they no longer fit. Mm -hmm. And so to witness things fall apart is its own kind of like grieving, which is something we, I know I'm always talking about. And so having the space to say, oh, that container is just not working anymore. And what are the things that come up with? What are the feelings that come up with that? And how do we engage with them? Be, be they exercise or or writing workshop? Um, that's the that's the point. Like the sensitivity is the point. Like to get through it in a way that creates conversation with it, so that it can compel you to do something. Mm-hmm. I think is is the magic of being sensitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm thinking about some of the imagery of cancer, you know, that comes in with the um, study of the Deccans and Sabian symbols in astrology and how the signs get split up into either parts of 10 degrees or each individual degree. And there are so many descriptions in the space of, of the cancer light that, um, you know, talk about like the necessary containment for life, you know, the, the, the shell, you know, around the soft form and like the blastula forming around like the fertilized egg or something like that. But that at some point, um, 
cancer as an energy overflows and it becomes this, um, you know, party that's spilling out of the container of its walls or it's like an overflowing cup. Like there is this need, I think, for the Cancerian uh, archetype and energy to include, right? And to like have what people need. And Katie, I've heard you talk about your practice as like helping people get what they need. And so much of your practice is formed around care. And Janata, I feel like you and I have had conversations around care and helping people have what they need to be themselves. And I know that's such a like a major focal point in a lot of my work and intentions too. And yeah, I'm kind of feeling the way that in the, in how we're each describing cancer, um, that this sensitivity is a personal sensitivity, but it's also a sensitivity to the ways that there are separations and like disconnections and pushing away and exclusions. And it's like, oh, you don't see me, you don't feel me. Like I'm not, I can't just be here and like be in myself. And so then like, we wanna overflow, we wanna give everybody everything, you know, but it's like, but I can't. talk about it. And I think that's a great segue to let's talk about the book because everybody on this call read the book. And if you haven't read this book, don't give me no shit because I'm, but yes, I'm about to give you spoilers. I can't help you. And I'm saying this now. So if you listen to this, you're like, damn, I got to go read the book. Pause it here. Cause I'm about <laughs> to do my, about to be myself for just a second. Can we talk about <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Like, also, I just feel like because I'm a cancer moon, I just want to be very transparent. All the things that you're talking about makes me think of sex. But I'll get to that in just a second. But Janata, let like how you want to split this down, baby. Do you want to talk about the fact that your book literally covers how many topics? How many? Like you want to um, incarceration, black queer people, uh, the Garden of Eden and black farming, bitch. We can we could have stopped there. The whole text about why brunch is a masterful experience. <laughs> Stop it there, and that's in the beginning of the book. Whitney Houston, bitch. We could have stopped there, and then I'm not even gonna give away the ending because I'm trying to be on my best behavior because I understand that everybody hasn't read the book yet. But then there was the ending. Like I told you not of this, but I just want to really, really like bring this home because it. It just, it just explains why I was obsessed with you. When we became friends, I was so excited. But just like, you know, being from Houston and, you know, living here now, that is a big reason why I have to do what I need to do. Being from Houston, I never saw this, ever. Even, yo, we could start from the top when Mabel is at, is it Mabel that's at the concert and she makes googly eyes at the girl from across the room. And it's like, I seen you, you seen me, but I can't tell you nothing. And then the whole band is gay. Stop, stop, stop it. Just do oh a my TikTok God. and post it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, just stop it. And I, 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 you know, so much gratitude and like it's it's talk about like compelling I really do feel like you made that book and the reason why it stuck to me so much is because it was just something that I could have never imagined Mm -hmm. and I Mm -hmm. feel like it's you know talking about like giving people what they need 
in this way that is so spilling over. Cause bitch, you also gays was a sexy. Bitch, what? Like, oh my God. And never mind the part about the chickpeas and the jacuzzi. <laughs> like, you just and 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 then there's also this like amazing concept of like platonic intimacy with teenagers that is mm-hmm. in the book. Like I just want to say that is cancer magic, right? Like you saw mm-hmm. so many needs mm-hmm. and just like they, they it, 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 oh, and I didn't even mention the part about the dad at the end of the book. Like I couldn't like, yo. And if you are listening to this and you've ever seen me work at a bookstore, y'all already know how hard I sell this book because I, I genuinely believe it's that good like you and I think what I can speak to but I don't know if this is my cancer moon placement but Renee you kind of touched on it yo it can feel really isolating to feel this deeply Hmm. and so when I think about like real talk when you when I think about like lack of representation and at the time when I got Janata's book I was in a lot of predominantly white spaces. I had never fell in love with a black woman. A part of me thought that like, it was never gonna happen because of lots of different things. And I saw that book. And again, it goes back to this idea of being compelled. I was like, oh, Janata said it. And so baby bitch is so. Like, I don't know when she coming, but I'm gonna be ready when she get here. Like, I just, <laughs> that book's just, I, I, it, it, it just, it means, it means so much to me because I think it is a sincere reflection of care, like in that you wrote it, but then there's so many elements of it that make you feel, at least made me feel cared for as a reader. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, bitch, if you ain't read this damn book, I don't know what to say, because I talked about my Instagram. I've talked about this book on my Instagram uh, many a time. So I'm like, that's oh what I'm like. I'm going to repost you. I'd be like, oh, thank you for doing this. I would just repost you. <laughs> but, I know for me reading the book, it really was this feeling of overflow. You know, that I was crying, like sobbing through the entire book. But the way that I was crying you know, the, the kind of crying where it's, you're crying out of love and relief and healing and just like this experience of grief that also is love. Like it is pure love in this sadness and, um, every single page, like every single fucking page is (laughs) just my eyes, you know, waterfalls coming out of my eyes. And then everyone I know that I've talked to that has read the book has had the same experience. And I just feel like, I feel like there was, you know, there's this magic that you infused into this story that is the healing waters of cancer. Like it is this place where Mm. all of these very personal feelings, like, you know, I have my own experience coming to it as a white queer woman, but the way that you painted this picture of possibility of tenderness and like what Katie was talking about with the platonic love and these, you know, family and the, the dreamo treatments, you know, as a daughter of a mother that died from cancer, like Mm. you, you made these offerings that Mm. they touched a part of my soul that I didn't even know was carrying that amount of feeling. I love y'all so much. 
like I didn't say it, but that's what it is. It's really healing. Mm -hmm. And I think if I could like bring the language to it, you know, as somebody that, yes, I grew up in faith, but I'm a sad advising. So it's helpful for me to have something to believe in. When my light gets a little dark, (laughs) I'm a whole different person, y'all. But when you have, you know, I think that's what I love so much about my Cancer Moon energy is that when I do have this one song or this one book, I think it, it's healing for me because it maintains my light. Mm-hmm. And I think that if I'm thinking about healing, it's that ability to like experience a certain type of like cave or like obscurity in the light and either keep moving, but also for the light to be refueled. And yo, like on a real serious note, Janata, I read a lot of Black queer shit. I do. Mm-hmm. And, the, and your book still stands alone in its own category for lots of mm-hmm. different reasons. And so I, I think, yeah, I think its ability to stand alone just speaks to, yeah, it, it really maintained and gave space for, I think, me to have a different light in a whole different way and you can't I'm like yeah you can't buy that and you can't like that is like that deep water like it just kind of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank y'all I'm so I, I was telling I love that my book introduced me to people like y'all because if not for this book I would have just been in Minnesota doing my little weird puppet theater shit and I love that shit too um, but it feels good to have like this book introduce me to people who I have really deep connections with, like when I meet y'all in person and um, mm-hmm. have met other people in person, because these are, I do think art is kind of like your innermost tender part of yourself. It may be art is probably connected to cancerianness, maybe in a way too, because it is very interiority and like oh I'm gonna take my child and share it with the world and it does feel very good to hear people love your child and feel it's kind of like oh y'all are like my cool kids like teenage friends who came by the house and y'all are in the kitchen and Mabel and Audrey are like oh this is Renee and Katie you know what I'm saying um because I do feel like there is this um I don't know, there is this kind of interesting kind of familial thing that does happen, like just to kind of lean into this idea of cancer energy and, you know, this being my first book and thinking about, you know, I'll have other book babies and stuff in in the world, but this definitely is a book, like the first poem in the book is cancer season, you know, which I don't know how I decided that because now like writing is just like you have to write it and then it's just like a blur how it all happened but to some degree but um I do feel like I a very like the storyline of the book arrived of like this black man on death row intersects with this black kid who has like this sort of un mysterious illness like kind of serious illness and the way the book kind of built itself around this seed and blossomed into itself really became a spiritual work, became a queer book. It wasn't always a queer book. Initially, Mabel's character was a boy character because I was dealing with specifically the symbol of young Black male death, you know, and um, with Michael Brown and uh, Trayvon Martin and, um, you know, sort of that symbol. It's like, okay, we could see the divinity of 
a kid losing their life from like some mysterious illness, but in a lot of ways, um, the ways that these young black people were meeting their demise had to do with this like crazy illness, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, sort of like intersecting those stories, you know, so it's always kind of strange when I go back and I'm like, huh, like the first iteration of this book at all was, I remember the shower I was taking in the apartment I was living in and when that came down. And at first it was a screenplay idea. I was like, oh, that'd be a good screenplay idea. And then I made it into a young adult novel and now it's gonna be a screenplay or be a, a film hopefully. So a film period. Um, anyway, so I do feel like it's um, as in thinking about these heavy things, like I wanted there to be softness. I wanted there to be tenderness and, you know, it was a fun journey to make it happen. So. And one thing that you didn't touch on that I want to press on that we all, I don't also think we haven't talked about is. Um, and these might not be the best words, but these are the words that are coming up right now around like death as a healing or, you know, healing happening through death. Um, Cause I'm thinking about the ending and I'm trying my, I'm gonna, I'm trying to be my best behavior. Um, but also thinking about um, just birth as a process. And, you know, I was listening to this podcast with Jessica, go to the podcast if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Um, but Jessica was talking talking to this mom who talked also just about the grieving of the loss of the person that she was after she gave birth. Never mind the like real impact that birthing people like your their bodies take when you are giving birth. Um, and you know, shout out to Minerva Arias. Is that how you pronounce the last name? Arias, yeah. Who talked about the opposite of what did, what did they say? They're like, it's not this. It's like the opposite of death is birth. Mm-hmm. And so to give birth to this, you know, healing body of work that you created and death be so a part of it. And obviously the ending is so special. And I, and I, you know, obviously, you know, everybody has their opinion, but I think there was something about the way that you crafted this story that I think made death a little bit more palatable for me. Now, granted, I'm eighth house moon. <laughs> me and death have a very specific <laughs> relationship. But yeah, like, you know, I just feel like I, I always grew up hearing, you know, it's something better on the other side. But I think you did a really good job of not contributing to that narrative. Like there was so much beauty on this side and they died and it's like, they when one wasn't canceling out the other like to live that beautiful death is still is still what's gonna happen and it's natural and it's inevitable and that's okay and you know it's like that that podcast episode with jessica laniato that you were just mentioning i remember that when she said um you know remember that every beginning is also an ending Yes. And so like a birth comes, but that's also the death of like your experience pre-parenting. And Janata, I I just pulled your chart and you published your book in the summer of 2020, right? And it's, are you almost? September, 2019. Oh, in 2019. Okay. On Penguin's site, it says June, 2020. But maybe that was the soft copy. You know, either way, like that, 
you know, that period of time in your chart has Pluto and Capricorn moving into your fifth house. And like mm. a moment ago, when you were talking about the relationship, you know, between cancer and creativity, and I'm thinking about the relationship between cancer and Leo, you know, and Leo being the kind of expression that is birthed, right? Like this creative expression that then gets birthed and self-actualized, but it doesn't get to actualize um, if it doesn't have some kind of birth space, you know, if it doesn't get born into the world, if it doesn't have uh, someone at some point to nurture it enough so that it, it stays alive. And the fifth house is, is Leo's house and um, in your chart, Capricorn is there. And so like to see Pluto moving into that part of your chart, into this place where you are expressing and, and birthing creative babies into the world and Pluto is opposing your Cancer Sun and squaring your Libra Moon. And then what Katie was saying about death and how it's situated in your book and thinking about every beginning is an ending and the way that you held space to talk about black death in that novel from a place of like historical, um, you know, context and, and accountability, but like so much respect for the healing process that these characters are bringing themselves through. And that the way that you talk about their deaths to me also feels like this birth and transformation of what you're asking people to imagine, you know, is possible in, in care, like in this, like, you know, the place that we're going to actualize from is this place of care, is this place of nurturing. And yeah, like so much gets birthed in that story through the portal of death. Yeah, and I think I also feel like, I don't know, I always, it's always interesting to hear how people understand the ending or experience the ending. So I was like, do I feel like they're dead, you know, and like, right. Because that's the thing I, I I contemplate. And it's funny because that's the thing about birthing a thing. It's like, I don't know more about my book or my characters just because I wrote this shit. You know, because people will often be like, well, what happened? And I'm like, I don't know. You ask in the last, ask Isley. Isley probably knows better than me. Right. But it's not even that they die, but the they their process is through a death process, right? Like they're contending with death and grappling with it and asking into it and facing it. Can I tell y'all? So two things. So <laughs> I chose Blackness and Sides in Between in my first book club, which was at Greenlight. And there was this cutie pie named Ofua Darko. Ofua is dark skinned, queer with glasses. Yes. I think they're so fine. They got glasses. It's a thing. Um, a fool worked at Greenlight. I worked at yours truly. This is the green light that's over there. If, if you're listening, this is the one I for green. So I, I me and fool ain't even in the same store. That nigga next door. But I had already told fool, like, yo, read the book, come through. You know, we're gonna talk about it. This nigga runs next door. I think she comes in from the back and it's like, Are you kidding me? What the fuck? And I was like, What are you talking about? And I was like, they were like, the ending. And I was like, oh, you didn't like it? No. And like, we went like back and forth. Keep in mind, like, yo, we are in our shifts. Like, I was supposed to be next door. 
<laughs> but it's cool because we ain't getting trouble like you know managers is cool that night so there's that part that I just want to tell you but I think what I loved about the ending is that I thought it actually spoke to this idea of transformation you know mm-hmm. especially given the fact that you know we start the book on the beach with Queenie and Audrey reading damn rocks and shells mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, and I am, I feel like I have been groomed in a tradition around ancestry. Many, like I haven't altered in my house. Many of my friends have altars in their house. And I, I think there is something really um, calming for my nervous system to feel like just because they're not, someone is absent in the body that they can still be present with me. Mm. But oftentimes when people speak of death, it is very finite. It's not transformative. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I'm thinking about, you know, more tangibly, like the Pluto return and how, how it, I think is looking for lots of people. If you can't, if I think if there's not space to look at death as transformational, I think people are going to have a really hard time. Yeah. Because it can feel like a part of you is ending and it ceased to exist. And I think, that can be really difficult for people to grapple with. But if you have um, images and books and songs and music that speak to this transformational place that it's just existing in a different container, I think that does create a really great space for hope. And I think it gives, you know, like on a real tangible note, I think it gives, it compels people to keep going. And so, yeah. I love the ending. It's one of my favorite parts. <laughs> Janata, I'm curious. Um, we have this guest workshop coming up with you on July 10th, um, where you're going to be holding space to explore the erotic in relationship to speculative fiction and world building and imagination. Um, I'm wondering what's coming up for you in this conversation about your book and about death and about healing um and yeah what your experience was of writing this book and what your experience is currently um in in your own practice as you navigate your cancerian existence you know and um work with the emotion that your that your craft brings you into and yeah, how does death and eroticism and imagination, like how do they all speak to each other? Yeah, I think it's a thing that um, when I think of certain kind of energies that like make sense for my spirit, like it definitely is like witchy energy, um, kind of warrior energy and also healing energy. You know, like I do think, um, it's always nice to hear when I feel like people resonate with those aspects of the book, you know, um, because I don't think, I think for young, as a young person, I was just such a seeker. I just wanted to have these kinds of conversations. I wanted to talk about the ancestors. You know what I'm saying? Like my um, mom's sister died when I was nine years old and she was my godmother. And my mom's like, sister who was just very like, I don't know, she just was very cool, very, um, it's interesting. I'm going to show this to y'all. 
this is a book of hers I have that's just like a book, like a notebook she had that somehow it finally got to mind. It, it just says want book on it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is in referencing, you know, but it's just, you know, some notes and it's like basically a, anyway, she was like a very important person to me. She's the first person I knew that died. And I had such a like, actually I wrote her a letter, you know, I wrote her a letter and I put it in her casket, you know? And I, um, I often wonder what I try to remember what I even wrote actually, but I often think about that moment of me writing to my ancestor as a nine-year-old and sort of really beginning to talk to her from at that point on. And nobody taught me that. Um, It was just a thing that I felt I needed to do. And my mom and everybody of course was extremely traumatized by the loss of her. Um, and I just continue to talk to her. (laughs) Um, so I feel like, um, there's a lot of things like that and sensuality and sexuality and like certain kinds of expression and existence that, um, I just felt curious to have a conversation like that in a way that is accessible to all kinds of people, not just you know, and not just in this Christian way and not just in, cause I don't, I wasn't raised necessarily in that. Both my parents were kind of like mystic agnostic people, you know? So they were raised extremely religious, like similar to you, Katie, um, but then came up at a time in the Caribbean when like Rastafarian culture was becoming popular and um, sort of this back to Africa consciousness that was happening throughout the diaspora. So my parents, like, they didn't necessarily raise us in alternative religion, but they did sort of give us, like, I remember my dad gave me The Prophet by Khalil Gibran when I was, like, eight. I was, like, what am I supposed to do with this? Um, Anyways, but now I'm, like, okay. Like, it was always a thing that he was, like, this is my best, this is, this book is my favorite book. This book changed my life, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, those were the kind, like, my parents were very mystical and curious and, um, So I feel like in the book, a lot of it is like, how do I access these kinds of conversations in a fictional work? And not that I was like trying to put it in, but I just was like, I think I I really somehow allowed it, you know, to like sort of come to the surface. And Queenie was a character that um, I still wonder where Queenie came from, because Queenie like took over a little bit, you know? Am I tripping or does Queenie have sisters? And did they go on a car ride? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that scene. Yeah. And they're like all in the car together, but the two sisters are hilarious. That made me think about your aunt. I'm like, it's giving auntie energy. And somebody's like, turn the radio down, turn it up. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up, sit in the back seat. That's funny. Some of the stuff I don't know what I wrote in the book now and what is in the screenplay and what is it just in which one and what is in both. So anyways, I was like, okay, that's in both. <laughs> like, I was like, oh shit. Yeah, I think... um. I love, yeah, I love all the spirits. I like, I, my um, mentor for this book is this woman, Alexis Duval, who's like a brilliant black feminist, queer writer, extraordinaire, witchy witch. Like she's definitely 
a god. Y'all should have her on the podcast. She's a hoot and read her chart. I would love to hear what y'all come up with with Alexis, but um, she very much like, you know, there's just like these kinds of like, you know, witchy kind of spirits that like live in the world on their own terms. And I feel like in her work, she also like, you know, kind of kind of writes these characters. And she's the one who first gave me this idea of referring to characters as spirits, you know, because it is like spirits, because it's kind of like, to me, I'm like, oh, like, I don't, I did think I, I felt that as a, before I became a writer, that it's like, oh, like, I'm the gods of these people, like, I decide. And in some ways you are, you know what I mean? But then I don't know. It's also kind of like you're a parent of them, you know, like they, they come through you and you're like, oh, well, what's your deal? And what do you have to teach me? And I feel like um, there's so much I learned from these characters and even through people's experiences of the book, you know, like with all my other stuff I've done, it's always been like, I mean, my stuff is good. Like the other like performance, but it was always like some kind of weird thing. Like my family was always like, so, okay. So like, you just kind of ran around with your ass shaking and then you climbed and then, so what was that about? And I was just like, I'm not trying to explain it to y'all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but I feel, and it was cool. Like to me, it was like, you know, I feel like with art, you kind of go in and you get what you get and you, you don't get what you don't get. Like that's kind of my sort of thing with art. But like with the book, it's not just people I know who experience my art. It's like people I've never met before. And just like, there's people who are like, wow, like there's parts that we, you know, I don't know, just everybody has their own experience with it. And it's like fascinating to me, mm -hmm. you know? I, I, so I'm, I'm interested in that and like this connection between the erotic and the speculative. So for you as an artist, you know, like these works are being birthed through your vessel. And like you said, you don't know who's going to encounter them, but you're working in this realm of world making and speculation. Yeah. What does that feel like to know that you're making art for potentially millions of people, you know, that will encounter these characters and these sentiments and these worlds that you're creating? And also, you know, I think like like cancer is these primordial waters, you know, that they're, you're infusing feeling into the collective and you don't know how that feeling is going to form, but it will. Well, mm -hmm. It's going to become part of, yeah. How does it, because I do not, I don't know if you remember this, but talk about being compelled. So there's the walk that the kids take in the book. I did a death walk in Brooklyn during the pandemic because it's in the book. So I'm mm. like, mm. how do you feel knowing that you know, us people are out here like really feeling mm. emboldened to take action based on reading the book. It's funny because the first word that came up was orgasmic. And I was like, is that what I feel? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it just feels like, wow, like it just feels like, so that's the word that came up. So sometimes I just have to speak the first word that comes up, even if like, I might be like, no, that's not what I think. But it's like, well, you, you thought it initially, you know? Because to me, it's like, oh, oh my God, like, oh, I just love, it makes me feel so high that people feel so connected, you know? Mm -hmm. Because to me, I have felt so alone a lot of my life, even though I've always been around people, I've always felt so like nobody gets me and I just kind of feel alone, you know? So my book actually makes me feel very much connected. Um, 
So I do feel like maybe that's where the erotic is, is that like there's this way that something that brings me so much pleasure can bring somebody so much pleasure. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. I think that's what feels very juicy about being a writer. Cause as a kid, writing was my therapy, you know, it's definitely like how I profess love to people. It's how I absorbed and kind of therapized myself, you know, similar to reading books. So to me, it feels like, wow, like this thing that reading books have been so therapeutic and healing to me and writing has been that way for me. So to have this experience, like even it's a thing I think about in writing my second book, which to me, it's like, I don't know how the world is going to experience it. Like I was so afraid of how people would experience this book. And if like, will they even read it? You know, like I was so afraid um, and it became beautiful. All of the things that connect me with y'all, like for real, like when I met Renee in person, I was like, cause we were talking, I don't know if we talked, I think we were talking about the book and I was like, I'm just glad it brought me that I'm on this camping trip with you now, you know, like <laughs> this book somehow has brought me places that feels like, I just love it. You know, like I'm grateful for it, you know, um, for choosing me. Um, and um, yeah, so like, I do feel like this sense of like eroticism with my art, you know, like when, like there's times like, ugh, like when I'm in the zone, there's like nothing more hotter than when I'm like, I don't want to eat nothing. I don't want to be interrupted. I just am in the zone. And I feel like, um, you know, like when people talk about polyamory, I don't think we talk about polyamory and like your art or you're kind of like, cause I feel like with me, I'm like, my main relationship is like my writing and I just want to talk to it and I just want to be with it. I just want to feel with it, you know? So I just feel like that's been my, um, the juicy part of like being an artist. It's like, oh, I get so much permission to be with this, like this tender part of myself that makes and births and gives and definitely, um, on the speculative tip, like the speculative thing is a thing I have to remind myself that I can build whatever world I make. Because even in parts, times I've written and, you know, drafts of the book or ideas I had with the book, like even like to make it a queer book, like it was Alexis Duval who was like, you know, you know, you want to make you a gay book, just make you a gay book. You know what I mean? And I just was like, oh, I can make a gay book. And the minute it became a queer book, it was like, then Whitney Houston was like, "Now I'm here, bitch." That's when Whitney arrived, you know. <laughs> so like, <laughs> and you know we love it. You know we love that part. Oh my god! Like from the posters on Mabel's wall to the like scene in Jersey where Whitney's actually singing. Mm-hmm. Oh and Whitney's queerness. I mean that that you centered that in that story. Yeah, you know, felt like. So, I mean, so important, such an honoring. Such an honoring. And I really, I just want to echo that, like, you know, your ability to deeply connect to yourself, I think gave you this space to help people like me not only connect to myself, but also to feel connected to this other, like to other people and to this other experience, right? Like, like I said earlier, it can be, it can feel really, um, unsafe and like like genuinely like tangible issues that can arise I feel like around the sensitivities that I have Mm -hmm. and so I know I've definitely like either hid them 
or like made it very difficult for myself to be sensitive because I was like, I don't want to deal with the repercussions of this. I really don't. And so when you made this book, it just like, oh, it's like, oh, there's a whole nother way of connecting to this. And there's then this whole other permission to then connect with other people. And I think that, I think that's also just like a beautiful and necessary component of Cancerian energy that the, to feel immersed and to feel connected and to feel like that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I just do my thing right now. It's like the embodied astrology host and, and be like, will you both tell us about the groups you're holding? <laughs> because I feel like, you know, these themes are totally going to be the spaces that you both are holding. And then I'm curious with these themes, like for me, it feels like, well, astrology fits in so well, like it comes in as a tool and a container, you know, and a, a means of connection and a means of making sense out of all of this stuff. But yeah, like, can you both talk about the spaces you're going to hold in the astrology landscape and how, and how you work with astrology and these feelings and these practices that you're weaving together? Yeah. yeah, I can go first. Um, so I am going to do a creative writing class inspired by this like sensuous, wild, juicy Cancerian energy and allowing it to also be a time to reflect on some really dynamic creatives who are Black feminist um, Cancerians such as Lucille Clifton and Lil' Kim and Missy Elliott and Solange, like I mentioned before, and June Jordan um, and Octavia Butler. Like, I feel like there's more. Hopefully I'm not forgetting anybody. There's so many more. Um, But anyways, I just was excited and thinking around like, yeah, like I also love supporting people in creative writing and you know, um, also creative writing from a space of embodiment. So I'm super looking forward to sharing space with you all and um, being a part of the embodied astrology familia. Okay, before I talk about my space, I just, because we're, I know we're running short on time. Y'all, we did not talk about sex. Oh, (laughs) y'all already knew I was probably going to bring it up because that's my job. You talked about Lil' Kim. You talked about Lil' Missy Elliott. I'm not going to go into specifics, but can we just talk about how Cancerian Susan, your baby, is deep waters. It is fluid. I am always going to be a proponent of getting laid with yourself or someone else. You know, I'm not picky, but, mm-hmm. I, you know, deep connection to self creates space to connect deeply with others. You know, I really genuinely think that a good writing session, be you bottom or top or burst, can really get you to connect to some waters that you ain't even really thought about yet. Mm-hmm. That is what I'm saying. Fact. <laughs> you want to know more about it? Come to the space that I'm holding. Great segue. <laughs> so uh, twice a week between now and I think Capricorn season, we will come together once a week and talk about how you're feeling. Um, to be really transparent, I'm not going to lie to y'all it feels like a lot of people are grieving on like my personal front, but just like the news that I'm hearing. um, If I'm being really transparent to me, it looks like systems are shutting down. Mm -hmm. When I think of systems, I'm talking about like legal systems, talking about 
state governments. I'm talking about mm-hmm. the concept of states' rights. Um, mm-hmm. And I can go on and on and on. And I can, people are having a hard time is what I really think. People are having a really hard time with witnessing death, be it ambiguous or tangible. Um, and so I thought that we could just have a space to talk about all the things that come up with that. Um, so in each session, we will say hello, see how you're doing. We'll talk about the astrology of the moment and some of the bigger trends that people might be feeling. And then folks will just have space to share what's coming up for them. What I'm super excited about with this space is unlike the eulogy space for those for folks who came to that, I really want to encourage folks to bring all of the ways that they want to share. So maybe you do want to share a playlist with the group. Maybe you do want to share a poem with the book. Maybe you want to share an excerpt of a story that you're writing. Um, I understand that talking about feelings is not everybody's strong suit. And it also is just not helpful for everybody. And so I just am offering this space as a way for you to share in a way that feels good. And my hope is that by you sharing it with me and the other witnesses in this space, you feel less alone. Um, and you know that other people are going through things that are similar. Um, yeah. Y'all already know it's me, so I'm going to crack mad jokes. <laughs> Should there be a sexual reference, I'm probably going to bring it on home because <laughs> I'm good at that, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, and y'all, like, I think Renee and Janata both know this. I love bringing light to people's days. I think it brings light to my day to bring light to somebody else's day. And so, yeah, I hope that this space is just a light in your week and we'll be there every week. So you just come on over here, girl. We're <laughs> our beautiful human. And you talk it up with you. Talk it up with your girl. I want to get excited about the astrology that this is all commencing with. Um, you both know I love to time with astrology and I saw that. Choosing elections, you know, for experiences, conversations, stuff like that. I'm just, you know, this question of like, how do we get people what they need? And like, sometimes what people need is the right day and the right hour, <laughs> like mm-hmm. the right timing. Um, and I feel like astrology is so helpful with that. But, you know, Katie, your series is starting as Mercury is going into Cancer and Mars is moving into Taurus. Like they both make their ingresses on July 4th and your series starts the next day. And this need to really contend with the embodied reality, you know, of like the things that are breaking down this Mars and Taurus um, vibe, you know, of like what is moving through our, our physical forms, our sensory bodies, our resources, our communities, our land, the fucking possibility of any kind of peace, you know, or satiation or future Mm -hmm. or something like this. And um mercury and cancer needs to talk about it and needs to care about it and yeah you're holding this space for the next six months and it feels so important that there is space you know like you said in your description not to necessarily get into a mental cerebral process around like what is astrology but like okay, astrology is a container for us to more deeply understand what's going on because there's a lot of fucking feelings And there's a lot of crisis and instability and also so much opportunity and people are massively changing and going through so much. And it's like (laughs) having a place to just 
be able to witness each other and listen to each other feels so important. And then Janata's workshop is on July 10th. And that's, well, first of all, the moon is a waxing gibbous moon. So it's moving towards a full moon. It's in Sagittarius, the sign of the writer, the seeker, the storyteller, the author, um, the one who visions. And the sun, the Cancer sun is sextile to Uranus and Taurus, you know, and thinking about this Uranus and Taurus as enlivenment and awakening of the body and like somatic intelligence and sensuality and pleasure activism. And then this watery, luscious eroticism of the cancer sun, you know, this like juicy, like your workshop is called the cosmic juiciness within. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> you know, like people are going to have, people are literally like going to come to this workshop and have book babies. Yeah, like they're going to, they're going to make some babies. Oh, I love it. <laughs> now, I think we need to make, I, okay, we can collaborate or I can do it for you, you know, whatever feels good. But I think this, play, I think this needs a playlist. Yeah. You know what I thought you were about to say? What? It needs a signature mocktail. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, baby, you're never going to tell me music and a mocktail. Let it flow. Let it flow. Dare I say some things that can be inhaled? You know, some smoke. Mm -hmm. Okay, one more thing. Wait, one more thing. Could that then we'll bring the mocktail and the smokes and the playlist into this? Mm -hmm. But. Okay, this realm of speculative fiction and world making mm. and the connection between the ability to imagine and dream and the erotic mm. as a place of actual, I would say, like, really profound political resistance, you know, and, and what is happening on our earth on this global level of intense, extractive, greedy violence that consumes us, you know, and it like consumes our creativity and it consumes our eroticism and it consumes our ability to imagine outside of this fucking shit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like both of you are talking about holding space for sensation and feelings to emerge. And in that, that there is the erotic. And mm-hmm. from that place, there can be imagination like there can be future yeah okay so this is my last question for both of you because I know both of you you know work really deeply with the erotic as a concept as a space as a practice and you've both talked to me about Audre Lorde's essay the uses of the erotic and how you feel connected to it and like connected to that lineage just as yeah the last question I want to ask both of you like how do you feel you are are connecting like the erotic and the imaginative into your very real world practices of activism and change and um yeah resistance resilience however you want to name it janata i want you to close so i'm going to go first is that okay sure i love you uh the first thing that i want to say is something that has been on my mind like for a while Janata's book is on the Texas book ban list. And I live in Texas. That's why I'm bringing this up. And it is really, on the baseline, it's like really annoying. But on a like deeper note, 
it's really deeply frustrating because as somebody that I actually do not like being fucking politicized all the fucking time, it just so happened that the books that I love are on that list. So then when you come to a bookstore that I work at or you come to my Instagram page, then I become political because of what I like or who I love. That shit is just, oh my God, so annoying because now me celebrating the book is now this like, now I'm pushing books and now I'm seen as violent in this way that's trying to assault the system. And I, it makes me think so much about like Paris is Burning and Marsha P. Johnson. And it's just like, bitch, I was just trying to read my book in peace. And you coming up over here wrecking my flow. Now I gotta be that nigga that tells everybody about the damn book because you want to be on some bullshit. So there's that part. But, or, and I think because of that, it's been really important for me to remember that for me, erotic embodiment is experiencing the totality of my humanity. Hmm. And so for that, it looks like being frustrated that the books that I love are on the band books. It also looks like making out every time I get a chance because it's nice to make out. <laughs> I think, um, and you know, for those who do not know, I'm going through my Saturn return and I've just, I've taken some L's in the last little 12 months. And it's a part of embodying my totality of my humanity is being really clear that there's so much more that I cannot see. And so when I am arrived, like when I'm arriving into this erotic body, especially with artists like Janata, the intent is that I feel the capacity of my feelings so that I know that there are more than my feelings, because I know that there's something much more possible than what I can see. And that's the point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I cling to so hard sometimes, maybe harder than I should. <laughs> like at one point I would go and read Janata's book. Like when I was sad, like in the bookstore, I would just go like flip to the page and be like, okay, 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 I'm good. And then I would go back um, because it, yeah, to be human is to really confront like not only my mortality, but my lack of safety, my lack of support. And so to have the capacity to feel that makes books like this so much more special because it is only because I know what it means so long that I appreciate what it means to be nourished. And that's what that book did. So yeah, you're the bomb, Janata. (laughs) I know, like I'm so convinced after this. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, thank y'all so much for having me in this space. And I'm huge fans of both y'all and have learned so much from both of you. And I'm just so happy that, you know, this book brought us together. And um, and thinking of your question around, like, how do you really apply the erotic? Because I do think it's so easy to sort of be like, um, think we're doing erotic things and we're in the erotic, you know, or feel like, um, you know, kind of theorize around it, you know, but not really like, well, what does it look and feel like in our lives? And um, I think for me, I've really been like, well, if the erotic is a space of where trauma has existed or where we've been disconnected from ourselves, like how do I 
use the places where I'm, you know, traumatized and the most in pain and allow the erotic to heal me and also acknowledge the ways that because of my embodiment and Black feminist, queerness, you know, whatever ways, um, I haven't always given myself permission to know and feel myself as a erotic being deserving of pleasure and exploring and experiencing it. Um, you know, how you were naming Katie, um, even just with myself and being like, oh yeah, like it's interesting because, you know, um, I often think about the time frame that I was Mabel and Audrey's age in the 90s. And it very much was so much of um, young black girl erotic was pathologized around teen pregnancy, um, around being fast. So a lot of, you know, how I shaped my erotic was in kind of hiding and in plain sight of like, okay, I don't want to be perceived as this. I don't want to put myself in danger as that. And also I was queer. Like I knew I was queer. Like I, I came out to myself as bisexual, which is what they called it in the nineties at 12. I mean, I guess people are still bisexual now. I just feel like, you know, there's so many things to be and a bisexual is one thing too. But I remember at that age and not really coming out out as queer until I was 29, but had come out to myself at 12, you know? And I, um, yeah, so I do think like a lot of the erotic is around my decolonizing of my erotic actually. And being like, oh, if this pleases me, if this is a thing that's I'm curious about, if this is a thing that I could just fantasize about in my little imagination, you know, like um, to just like, I don't know, I do feel like this age that it's almost like a, a renaissance, like I really, resonate with, I don't even know what Beyonce is about to put out, but being both 81 babies, like I feel that Renaissance energy where I'm like, okay, what ways could I rewild myself? That's the thing. Mm. Rewild myself, rewild my erotic and be mm. like, oh, like I could have offered, I could offer today Janata's teen self inside my 40 year old Janata an opportunity to like, just like walk around, get your favorite cookie go home, you know, sit in the grass, you know, and just like sort of live in that juicy abundance that feels erotic, that you feel your body sensations. And I mean, so many things. Um, another thing I told Renee about this when I was on the West Coast, I really got into this app called Dipsy, which is like all this erotic audio. Yes, yes, yes. If you are interested, you know we are not paid sponsors. <laughs> I have to tell people that all the time. I was like, I swear they do not pay me and they should because I fucking me, better Janata. Like, oh I know. My I God. was like, am I like, I know I'm not famous enough, but could I be like, hey, could I do something and be like, you know, I don't know. I just love you so much. I just want to help you out. Not that you need me. Also, I do like Renee and I have talked about this. Shameless plug. I do think I would be an asset to your team because <laughs> I think almost I like to focus on stories about women. I have stories around black women. And I think that their erotic stories can get a little predictable. 
you know? True. However. I'll take it, actually. I have no, I got no other place to go. Yeah, <laughs> no. But I do really love that you said reroute yourself, and I really hope we can get that on a t-shirt. And also, if you've been thinking. What, what did I say? Rewild yourself. Yeah. Yeah. If you are feeling, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, what are some ways that I can rewild myself? Yo, listening to erotic, sto- like listening to deep, deep sea erotic stories, yo, it changed the game. Or, or, or Carol Taylor's Brown Sugar is an all erotica book. No, I don't love the lesbian stories. So don't even come for me. Like, no, the Volvo Volvo stories, they're not great. But reading erotica also game changer. So like oh, reading erotica and listening to erotica is so different than porn because I feel like oh, porn I'm is such a male this so industry, bad. even if it's trying to do other things. So anyways, that didn't answer directly your question, Renee, but clearly Dipsy done got their algorithm into my brain. So I got to lift them up apparently a lot. <laughs> I mean, I'm grateful to both of you for, you know, Janata, you told me about Dipsy and then Katie, you recorded a number of erotic stories that you've released on your podcast, Erotic Embodiment. And just to wrap this all up with another little cancer moment, you know, one thing for anyone out there who also has Mars in the 12th house or Mars in cancer, you know, Mars is a placement that often relates with sexuality. And for a lot of my life, I thought I was broken because I didn't experience sexuality eroticism in a lot of the ways that people around me would talk about it. And I do experience intense erotic energy and like sense of sexuality in an imaginative way and in a spiritual and energetic way. And that is my Mars and Cancer in the 12th house. But yes to reading erotic stories and listening to erotic stories like the quality of listening like this passive you know I can rest I can lie down I can close my eyes and voices will come in and tell me a story (laughs) and it completely changed my relationship with you know like I never liked porn it was like never it it never it was too real you know I think that like 12th house space for me is like I need fantasy like I need I need to be able to picture bodies morphing and like not being stable. And maybe in one moment, that's a light body. And like maybe in the next moment, I don't know, you know, it's this 12th house space, who knows, but yeah. Okay. Erotic stories help helping yet another uh, person on the A spectrum feel like. Pleasure is at your fingertips. Literally, literally. <laughs> Well, yeah. And I think it is nice to be like, you know, just like there's so many different learning styles, mm-hmm. you know, like I think there's so many different kind of sensual styles. Cause I, I feel like I don't necessarily know how this plays into my astrology, but I definitely felt like I felt like a late bloomer mm-hmm. because there was part of me that felt like, I'm like, okay, like I just kind of need to understand what's happening and what I'm getting into energetically in a lot of ways. Um, and I also was so like deeply ravenous and interested in being sensuous, but it also, I don't know. So I feel like there is so much beauty to be had when we give ourselves permission for the nuanced dance yeah. we have to find 
to get to that place and not feel like we're comparing or less than, you know. Maybe we should title the episode something about permission because you spoke to that in your answer. And I do feel like so much around erotic embodiment is giving yourself permission to exist exactly as you can and trusting that like support will come to you when you mm. when you give mm. your permission and it unlocks something else. Mm. Permission for pleasure. Hell fucking yeah. Get in Look. Y'all already know I can talk about sex all day. So I'm everything to talk about. <laughs> well, that seems like a place to wrap it up. <laughs> um, thank you both so much for being here. Thank you so much for being in my life. Katie, thank you for encouraging me to read Janata's book. Thank it's you totally so changed today. my life. Janata, awesome. thank you for being you. Thank you, Renee, for being you. Thank you, Katie, for being you. Thank y'all for being my friends. I'm so grateful to know you both. I love that I'm the youngest person on this call. It's giving <laughs> major Capricorn street credibility. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and networks. You can find more guest episodes at embodiedastrology.com in the listen section. Sign up for Janata's workshop, Katie's class series, and my monthly offerings in the workshop section. Get free monthly horoscopes and stay tuned in with the earth, skies, and planets by signing up for one of our Embodied Astrology membership tiers. Find more information at embodiedastrology.com forward slash join.